welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality in geekdom. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today I am joined by Tifa Robles. Tifa, welcome. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Yay. Um, who are you, Tifa? So I am Tifa Robles. I run the Lady Planeswalker Society, which is a welcoming and friendly space for women to learn and play Magic the Gathering. Uh, and it's actually not just women. Uh, we welcome everybody, um, all genders, all types of people, all levels of play um, to come hang out at our events. So how did, well, actually, first, for the people who don't know, because um, I'm not super familiar with magic, will you talk about what that is a little bit? Yeah. Uh, so Magic the Gathering um, is a card game that was made in 1993. And it's so it's been around for a long time. Uh, and it's basically it's a collectible trading card game, which means that um, they print cards uh, every few months uh, and there's different formats to play in. And it's it's really a strategy game um, that's very in-depth and takes about a year before you really understand everything in the game, um, just to give you an idea of the complexity behind it. Uh, but there's a huge community around the game uh, and a big tournament scene that includes like a pro circuit and competitive play on various different levels. And it's really, it's a huge, huge thing. Uh, there's about 12 million people in the world that play. Uh, and it's very male dominated, which is why I started my group. I was just going to ask, so... Why Why do you have a female-oriented um, group? But you do welcome all genders, right? It's not just women. So why did you decide to do that instead of making it women only? So I originally, when I started the group, uh, I used to be a competitive player, uh, like really uh, high-level competition. Um, I, I wasn't very good, so I didn't get very far. But I was a part of that scene enough to notice that it was really, really hard to break into as a newer player. Um, I wasn't treated the best by a lot of people, either because of my gender or because I was new or a mix of the two, uh, you know, different circumstances that happened, I think, you know, were from both parts. Right. Uh, but gender was definitely part of it. And there's sexist comments are sort of just ingrained in the culture and acceptable. And I knew a lot of women who weren't interested in the game because of the community around it not being very welcoming. Uh, so I wanted to start a group to remove all those obstacles because I think Magic is a great game for anybody to learn. Uh, and I contemplated it being uh, inclusive, so women only, or sorry, exclusive, so women only. Uh, but the more I thought about it and the more people I talked to, it made sense to just keep it as inclusive as possible, which you know would mean not discriminating against anybody. Uh, right. So opening it up for anybody who wants to learn the game or wants an alternative place to play it in that's not as intimidating as the tournament scene. So how, how do people get started playing? Uh, so we actually teach people we have these little like sample decks that have the very basic 
of like sorry the most basic cards that you can really find in magic uh to teach people just what a creature is and the different card types and just the general basics of magic before showing them all the nitty-gritty details uh and we have a full staff of people have been teaching for a long time now uh and as we grow we get more and more people who get experienced teaching and we go to conventions and before our events, if people are interested, we'll sit down and teach them. Um, Cause it's really, it's almost impossible to learn completely on your own. Uh, there is a game that's on Xbox, PlayStation, Android, and um, iPod that is called duels of the planeswalkers, which can teach people how to play magic, but I don't think it's the same as sitting down with, with someone who knows yeah yeah so so i'm thinking about um like i said i've never played but i'm i am getting back into world of warcraft for you know i took like an 18 month break from just casual gaming and um thinking about how hard it is for me to get started again and how that might translate to to a card game i think people think about card games and they're like oh well you just you know or trading card games well you just throw cards down and and that's it but there is a lot of strategy and planning and obviously learning involved in in doing all of that yeah it's very overwhelming (laughs) it didn't occur to me that it might take a year to really become somewhat proficient at playing though yeah so how is it complex like obviously there are different card types they do different things Um, But what makes it so complex? A big part of that is that it's been around for over 20 years um, because each set that comes out, and like I said, a set comes out every about three months, and every time a set comes out, new rules are introduced into the game. So there's 20 years of rules that exist. Uh, And of course, there's the basic rules, like I was talking about when we first teach people, but if you... come in at any time of the year, there's going to be on top of the basic rules, all of the rules that just came out with the new set and how all of those cards are going to interact with, you know, the last two years of cards or whatever um, format you're in. Cause like I said, magic's in different formats. And a part of that is how many years of cards are allowed available. to in the format. Yeah. Available in the format. So an example is um, the standard format, which is the most played uh, format where people bring their own decks, is a two-year cycle of cards. So for a brand new player coming in, they have to learn two years of cards in order to participate in standard proficiently. Oh, wow. Uh, and there's other formats uh, called limited, which means you get booster packs that you open and play with, um, which is a little less challenging in some ways, but more challenging in other ways. Uh, It's less challenging because you only have to learn the set, uh, which is about 250 cards. Um, So as long as you know the set, you can play that really well. But then you also have to be really good at deck building because you're limited with those cards that you have. So what is deck building? Uh, Deck building means that you're going to... Uh, build a deck with whatever cards you have available to you. And a deck is either going to be like 40 or 60 cards. 
um, including mana, which is what you use to cast your spells. Uh, and so if you have 60 cards and 20 of them are mana, you can only pick 40 cards to play with. Uh, and there's five colors in magic, and decks tend to be one or two, or well, they tend to be like two or three colors. Um, so it's narrowing down what cards are going to work together. Uh, and you know, that's that's a lot of the complexity right there uh, in a nutshell, I guess. It's just figuring out all of the combinations and what all what may hopefully work against your opponent. Yeah, and uh, like card value, like knowing what cards are good and what ones like aren't going to be as good. So as you were talking, I was thinking, okay, what does this apply to that I that I I can relate to? And so I'm thinking it's like a half a part Munchkin and half a part World of Warcraft. And then like a giant part unknown, because, you know, I was thinking as you were talking about adding, adding the adding on to the decks and how the rules change, I was thinking, okay, Munchkin expansion packs, like, yeah, um, and, and it adds a whole different complex set of rules. Munchkin is a pretty simple game if you just, you know, go with it. But once you start adding in those packs, it's like, okay, wait, this, this brings a whole new set of rules. And then, you know, kind of that. Dungeons and Dragons type um, uh, strategy and um, planning that that WoW emulates. I've never played D anD D, but I know that it's kind of similar and that kind of thing. But that's that's my best my best relation that I have to Magic right now. Yeah, that and that makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, it's if you if you played D anD D, that's a really good way to sort of relate the two. Um, but I've also I've played WoW and Munchkin, so I can I can see what you're saying. Uh, and it's probably not not accurate, but that's kind of the picture, or partially accurate. But yeah, like it, I taking Munchkin and all the expansions, like that's that's similar, but it's like the next level up from that, right? <laughs> and then the community aspect is definitely reminds me of WoW, uh, because magic is something that you very much play with other people and that's why there's such a thriving culture and community based around the game yeah i think people th- the stigma surrounding games like magic is that it's something that that nerdy people do in small groups and they're the outcasts and you know that that negative nerdy stigma we have but it's really a big obviously 12 million players it's a huge community yeah. um with a lot of, I imagine a lot of intricacies and friendships and um, not friendships too. Yeah. And it's also actually very diverse. Um, Cause I completely know all about the stigma associated with magic. Um, but starting, you know, a women's group, I've now, I mean, there's almost a thousand people in my group. Uh, and you know, most of that is women uh, and a lot of, uh, people that are interested in diversity are attracted to my group. So, you know, we have um, a lot of people from the LGBTQ community uh, and, you know, basically all all across nerd culture uh, with the different diverse groups that you can find, there are people that play magic. It's It's been around for so long that anybody who's at all interested in games has at least heard of it. Um, and I think a large percentage of them have at least tried it at some point or another. Uh, and my group has really done a good job of finding those people who have been interested, but never fully took the plunge into the game. 
And I found that if even if you're not, you know, a fully a gamer or if you're a woman or whatever, there's nothing about the game that's unappealing in itself. It really comes down to what playing is worth for you. Because some people will just play around their kitchen table at home with their family or their friends um, and they don't go to tournament play. So it's it's something that people have different relationships with. And I think it's the same like for WoW. I know people, you know, some people play WoW as a lifestyle and other people just pick it up on the weekends. I mean, magic is very much the same way. And I like, I, I love games that allow for that, that breathing room and for you to kind of, I guess, choose your own adventure within it. Like very much so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a very casual wor- world of Warcraft player. I've got my one character. Well, I have more than one character, but right now <laughs> I have the, the new character I created. I play with my one friend. It's on a new server. I don't, I'm, I don't have any alts. I'm, you know, I'm just the one character a couple of hours a week and that's it. And that's what I love about it is that I can just leave it and then I can pick up later when I have time. Yeah. Well, I, when I played WoW, it was actually in a house with people I lived with. I lived with five other people that all played WoW and I only played with them. So like if we all dedicated a night at home playing WoW, that's when I would play. But I didn't really do the whole like raid thing with other people because for me it was just what I did with my roommates yeah and that's what it's always been for me too yeah yeah so if someone wants to join the lady planeswalker society what are what needs to happen uh so we actually have chapters all over the world that meet in person and play um there's around 35 uh throughout the world uh and I have a main uh, Facebook page that has all the information of all the chapters uh, and the main Seattle chapter, which is the biggest one, the first one. Um, So if you go to Facebook and type Lady Planeswalkers, you should be able to find our group. And then you can also follow me or the group on Twitter and tweet at me and I can help find the information. But yeah, that's it's really quite simple to just join on Facebook, follow on Facebook and um, you can either find a chapter in your area or just support us online and, you know, be part of our discussions. And so something, one question I have is, uh, with having such a large group, um, one thing that has been in the forefront of my mind more and more lately is, uh, codes of conduct for like conventions and that kind of thing. And I was wondering if you had any kind of code of conduct for the Lady Planeswalkers Society. So that is actually on my list of goals for 2015. Um, The more that we grow, the more things that I'm finding that I need to dedicate more time to. And it was brought to my attention at a convention this year uh, that we should have an official code of conduct. Um, Because right now I moderate the main uh, Facebook page and the rest of the chapters are very much um, self-sustainable. Like I don't, Um, really get involved with any of the chapters in the world. But something that would help with that is to create a code of conduct, um, an anti-harassment policy uh, for in-person tournaments as well that I could share with all the chapters in the world. And that's definitely in my plans for next year. So have you had any issues so far? Um, yes. (laughs) Short answer, yes. Uh, I, not very many. Uh, I've been doing this for three and a half years. Uh, so I, I have events every Tuesday 
in Seattle, um, and that's been consistent for three and a half years. And this year I started uh, another local chapter in Bellevue, which has been meeting every two weeks all year. Um, and throughout all of that time, there's only been a handful of incidents that have happened, and they've usually been handled really, really well. Uh, but I've learned a lot from them. And then online has also had, you know, totally separate issues. Uh, there's only been a couple times in the whole time the group has existed. So, you know, again, three and a half years um, that I've had to like really get involved in the discussions in a way that's like, hey, this needs to stop. Uh, so luckily that's only been a couple times. Um, and again, it was one of those things where I learned a lot from it and I think it was handled well, but if it happened again, I think I'd handle it even better. Um, and there's also just been a lot of general online hate of the group, I guess. Uh, I can't think of a nicer way to say it, but I have found a lot of forum threads uh, and stuff like that about the group. Uh, but as far as code of conduct is concerned, uh, I've had to kick one person out of a store ever and talk to, a, pull a couple people aside and talk to them about their behavior. Uh, and the the pulling aside, talking to people about their behavior has gone over really well. Um, most of the time they apologize and realize that like they said something inappropriate and it probably wasn't the right place. Um, one time somebody stormed out on me uh, and thought that I was discriminating against him. Um, and then, like I said, the one time I actually had to get the store to throw somebody out. Uh, but that is... Definitely not normal at all. Most of the time, we're really welcomed um, by everybody in the store. We're, and including the magic community, is usually very supportive and friendly and uh, generous towards us as well. Uh, so I don't like focusing on the few bad incidents without pointing out that, you know, 99% of the time, people have been incredibly encouraging for the group. That's awesome. Um, I'm glad that you haven't really necessarily needed a code of conduct um, because it, it just shows that your group is, I guess, kind of self-selecting, um, which makes sense. Yeah. And in the beginning, in the beginning um, I, I was really good at being sure to talk to every single person who showed up at my events and just sort of explain to them what the group was and make sure that it was the right fit for them. Uh, and over the years, it's it's gotten a lot bigger and more self-selecting, like you were saying. But I think a big part of the reason it was so successful was the very much attention to each individual that comes into my events. Um, and I still do that. It's just not quite as extreme as it was when I started. I'm sure as it's grown, you have less time to yeah. be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. So what is, it sounds like you kind of have mixed reception with the larger magic community. Like some people are on board with this and some people aren't, or is it just a small group of people who are kind of spewing vitriol about it? I think it's a small minority. And I mean, it's the same group. Like it's, it's the same small minority that exists in the gaming community anywhere you go. Uh, whenever gender issues or diversity issues are brought up um, where they feel threatened by the idea of, the culture changing so they lash out on whoever's trying to change it um 
you know, we see this all the time. Uh, it's not really anything new or different from what people have probably already seen online. I've experienced, yeah. Yeah. So what is the best thing about growing this group or, or starting and growing this group? What has been the best thing about it? Oh, man. That's, that is not easy to answer with one, with one answer. Um, part of it is just how incredibly successful it was. And like right away, um, it grew very, very fast and picked up traction in such a like positive light um, so quickly that it really, it really gave me hope that, you know, the next generation of gamers will be more accepting and more diverse. Um, Cause I know it was, it was hard being like one of the only girls that I knew who gamed and like from my hometown, like uh, gaming was not considered cool at all. So I was a social outcast my whole life. And then add on top of that, that like I was a girl that gamed, like that was considered very strange. Um, so it's, it's nice that at least parts of society are starting to accept gaming as a, a you know, cool thing to do and that anyone can do it. It's not just a specific stereotype of people that are allowed to do it, but, but it actually is growing. Uh, and that's, that's been the best thing about my group is just finding more like-minded individuals and realizing that like this change is happening right now. Um, and it isn't something that like we have to wait a hundred years for uh, just the idea that like, if I have a daughter someday and she is into games because her parents are, it might not cause the same problems that it caused me. That's exciting. And then from, I, I do want to say from a personal level, I have made some of the best friendships I've had in my whole life from this group. Yay. I, that's one thing that, you know, this podcast, um, you'll be on episode 17. So I haven't been going that long with it, but um, I have met so many incredible people and have made connections to so many amazing, smart people who, um, make me think outside of my bubble and who are, you know, who include me in projects and it's been a lot of fun. So, so I imagine that, you know, that's kind of been your experience too. Yeah. It's one of the things I didn't expect to happen that I'm really glad did is it, it did bring this whole new networking of other diversity groups that wanted to work with me. Um, And Throughout the years, I've made so many friends and been on panels and involved at conventions with these different groups that are just doing these amazing things um, and being able to relate to them and then also learn things that I wouldn't have ever thought of or known myself um, just by listening to their experiences uh, and, and really feeling part of this bigger community, like not just magic, not just women, not even just gaming, but this full community that just wants diversity to be ingrained in our culture. Um, Yeah, I actually, I first heard about you because I became friends with Ken Gagne, who does the Polygamer podcast. And um, and so he was talking about, oh, I did this panel at, at PAX East and there were some people on it. And so I watched the panel that you did with him, which was called um, Sex- I will- Sexism. 
some I've done so many. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Ken. Um, I will link it in the show notes. But but it was this panel that he put together, and you talked about sexism in gaming. Yeah, with one of the greatest groups of people that you could get for a panel. Yeah, and it was excellent. And then. Um, I got the opportunity to bring you on the show and I was like, absolutely. Yeah. Um, when I, when I was asked to be on that panel, I couldn't even believe it. Like, I don't feel qualified to be alongside those names. Um, but it was amazing. And I actually felt like I fit right in. Um, and I've been on more panels with Brianna and Susan since then. Uh, and it's just, it's awesome. That's exactly the sort of thing I'm talking about. Where like being a part of that is just this amazing feeling that I didn't expect just from starting this group. Yeah. And so I was wondering what other panels have you been on? Because you mentioned that you have been on other panels addressing diversity and been involved in other things. So it's just, where should I look you up and, and throw in the show notes so that we can all watch? On top of the sex, sexy and sexism one, the other like best panel that I did this year was the F word, uh, which I'd actually have to look up. If you look up the F word, uh, PAX prime, you should be able to find it. That was also an excellent panel. Yes. So good. Uh, and that had, uh, Brianna, um, Alexa, I'm not gonna remember last names. Um, it was, it was just, it was also a great list of, uh, women who all work in the gaming industry. Um, and we all very much spoke our minds on this panel. And it was just this very liberating feeling <laughs> being on that panel. And then I actually hosted or, well, moderated a couple panels myself at a few different conventions throughout the year. Because the way that I do it is I come up with the panels that I want to do myself for the year and then submit them to like every convention that I can go to. Um, so I did one that was uh, Feminism and Gaming. Uh, which I did at Emerald City Comic Con um, and Geek Girl Con. Uh, I think maybe another one. Um, and then Creating Diversity Playgroups, which was all about Lady Planeswalkers and a couple other uh, groups. Uh, Planeswalkers for Diversity, which is a similar group in Canada that focuses more on broader diversity. And... Um, my friend Ben, who runs the diversity hub at uh, PAX, it was the first year this year, um, they were on there. So we talked about our different experiences with diversity groups. Uh, and that was, man, we did that at, like five different conventions. Um, yeah, and then my husband and I also hosted uh, the couple that games together panels, which we did at a couple different conventions, which was really cool too. So what has the reception been at the panels has it been largely accepting or do you do you get heckled or how has that been very much accepted uh i know i was on another diversity panel um that i was not moderating but i was just a part of uh at pax prime that had a twitch stream and the twitch stream was unfortunately very very not accepting um and it was just full of really horrible things um, about the panelists and about what we were talking about. Um, but the in-person conversations have all gone over very well. Uh, and even though, like at the F word panel, I remember us specifically talking about how there might be people coming up and, you know, 
throwing like hard questions at us or even basically coming up to tell us like what we were doing was wrong. Um, none of that happened at all. Uh, it was all very much people that, you know, thanked us for what we were doing and just had great conversations and discussions and questions. And um, I know for my feminism and gaming one, like race was brought up because all three of the women that I had were all white women, um, but it was really important to talk about race still. And somebody in the audience had brought up that like, it would have been nice if we had somebody of color on the panel, um, which actually that's something that I'm really interested in because my husband's me Mexican. Uh, so I know that my kids aren't going to be white. Yeah, it's definitely something to to think about. I know I'm um, I'm going to PAX East this year. I haven't officially announced that on the podcast. So oh. everybody, I'm at PAX East this year. Um, and I don't know if I'll be there yet or not, but probably. Well, let me know because I have been asked to be on a um a panel, and we were kind of emailing back and forth a little bit last night, and I'm like, all right, so we have, you know. We've got a, a, a at least a one one woman. We have at least one person of color. We have so this is going to be an awesome panel if it's accepted. <laughs> I'm really excited about that. But maybe we can be on one together. That would be awesome. That would be amazing. Yeah, I'll <laughs> have until December, the end of December. I've got about a month to come up with any panels if I want to do them. So, um, also listeners, if you have ideas for Paxi's panels, let me know and I'll see what I can do. <laughs> um. But yeah, diversity in, you know, kind of in these geeky things is obviously close to my heart and close to yours. And I think that's something that we have to do is step back and look and always say, okay, well, what could I be doing better right here? You know, I'm on this panel. What, what can I do better next time? Um, so I appreciate that, you know, that you're one receptive and two thinking about it, because sometimes I do things and I don't think about it until later. And I'm like, oh crud yeah you know why didn't I do it this way instead so what other do you do other diversity speaking um besides all of the panels uh, I've just been on a lot of podcasts and um like featured in some articles and interviews and stuff like that uh, but I haven't had any opportunities outside of that really to like go speak about it so what podcasts have you been on? I can I can also include those in the show notes. Um I have to send you a list. Sorry. Okay. It's been it's been kind of a crazy year. <laughs> it sounds like it. Well, and like I work full time um at Xbox. So it's it's almost like this is like my part-time job that I just don't have enough time for. Uh so it's just I I fit it in like as much as I can. Um, but yeah, I will send you, I will think about some of the podcasts I've been on and send you some of the bigger ones. That'd be awesome. So you, do you want to talk about, can you talk about you worked at Magic until recently? Uh, yeah. So I, I worked at Wizards of the Coast for three years. Um, and then it was last December when I quit, uh, and I actually quit to grow Lady Planeswalker Society bigger, um, and then immediately was offered a job at Microsoft that I could not turn down. Um, so left with the intention of committing the time to Lady Planeswalkers. <laughs> and then. Yeah. Um, that's a good problem to have, though. Right. 
I actually was able to commit more time, but the main reason is that Wizards of the Coast has a very strict PR policy with their employees of what they can and can't do. Um, and it was getting to the point where I had to turn down some really big opportunities, um, like National Geographic and Geek and Sundry, uh, that I realized this just, it's getting, it was getting bigger than um, I was able to do while working there. Uh, so sadly, I missed on those couple of opportunities uh, because I had originally turned them down. But fr from there, after I left Wizards, I've been able to do so much more um, just to like broadcast the group. So how do you, what do you do? How do you, how are you bringing more attention to the group? Um, I try to say yes to every opportunity. <laughs> I, uh, I, like we've talked about all the conventions, uh, last year was my first time ever going to PAX East. Uh, and then all of the local conventions that I could get my hands on. Um, it's a big way to get more players for the local chapters and then just spread general awareness. Cause I, my goal is that the whole magic community will have heard of us someday. Like that's, that's sort of the, the goal right now is just awareness across the world that we exist. Uh, I try to network as much as possible and find opportunities like this. Um, I was actually asked to write in a book called Girls on Games, uh, the fairer side of the tabletop industry, uh, which I'm writing a chapter for now. Um, and that hopefully will be a big, a big step towards awareness. Uh, and yeah, just keep my, my ear to the ground for opportunities. So what's your long-term plan for the, for the society? Um, so like I said, I have some goals for next year uh, to make some documents that other chapters can use for helping to start and uh, run chapters on their own. Um, we're looking at uh, merchandise for next year and also turning it into an official nonprofit group, uh, which I think is a really good fit um, because that's basically what we are. Uh, we just haven't done the paperwork yet. Uh, and then uh, from there, just keep doing what I'm doing. Um, I'm sure as I go down the nonprofit path, that'll open up some new opportunities I haven't considered yet. Definitely some challenges, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the nonprofit, I, I worked for a nonprofit for you know, in high school. And there, there were a lot of challenges, a lot of rewards, but a lot of challenges with it. So I've wanted to talk to you also about you were, uh, you used to play magic in tournaments and um, on the professional level, right? Oh, uh, well, I never, or close. Um, I tried. Okay. So the highest level is the pro scene. And I never got to that level. Um, and in order to get in the pro scene, there's different tournaments. So there's pro tour qualifiers and, uh, grand prix. And I went to events like that, um, regularly for a long time. Um, and I even sometimes still dabble in them, but I don't like practice and like take it like super seriously anymore. Um, but when I first started for about the first year, I was very much, um, like chasing the pro the pro scene is what they call it. Um, and yeah, it was, it was hard. Like people on that level are so 
serious and like they're not there to have fun they are there for one thing and that is to win um and that is very very different than um like what my group is and I at this point in my life I've realized that I want my relationship with magic to be the way that it is at Lady Planeswalkers which means that it's fun it's more about um getting to know people and the social aspect than it is about winning so so you've decided not to to pursue that anymore then yeah um like like I said I'll still dabble a little bit and like maybe go to a PTQ a pro tour qualifier every now and then um but I'm not going to spend weeks practicing and um you know chasing chasing that dream um because I've I've already found the place that magic is in my life and it's it's not that (laughs) I think that's great, though. I I have so much respect for you, you know, just seeing this need and, and stepping in and filling it. And um, I, th- I really think it's great. Thanks. So what kind of games do you play? All of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're big uh, tabletop gamers as well as console gamers. Um, we both work at Xbox, so we have a lot of Xbox games that we play. Um, anything couch co-op we can get our hands on we try um and we own probably over 250 board games um and we play magic more than anything else but if you name it we've probably tried it and like right now i'm playing dragon age inquisition um he just finished sunset overdrive and is playing uh far cry 4 um so you know all across the board (laughs) we uh are we have two favorite co-op games right now, which would be uh, Kalimba, um, which is super fun, coming out on Xbox One soon, and uh, Pure Pool, which just came out, which is very fun. So what, what's your, what are your favorite tabletop games? I mean, you've got Magic, obviously, but what else do you play not digitally? So I really like uh, Puerto Rico. Um, and any resource management game, um, Stone Age lately has been one that I've really liked. Um, Settlers of Catan is an old classic. Yeah. Uh, and oh, and uh, deck building games as well. So I don't know if you've played the legendary game. I have not. That is my favorite deck building game. Um, it's there's the like Marvel one that they first came out with, and that is by far my favorite deck building game that I've played. And I started in the Dominion time frame so okay yeah because we used to do monthly game days with our friends and those have kind of fizzled out over the last year or so um but like I played a lot of munchkin we played um cards against humanity of course oh yeah um, <laughs> um the worst best game I've ever played yep. um and then like recently we got kings of tokyo that my husband and I have been playing and um pandemic and Oh my goodness. So tabletop gaming is something that um that I really want to get the game day started again, but I don't know how quickly I'll be able to do that. Yeah, well I I actually started playing Magic because I was working at a board game store. So board games were part of my life way before Magic was. Um and I'm I'm in like the the longer the game and the more intricate pieces that you have to play it, like the more that I like it. Like I'm I'm into like the really complex like Arkham Horror yes uh, Agricola like that those kind of games there's um also a a Game of Thrones 
game that's uh, kind of on par with Arkham Horror that um, is also a lot of fun. If you haven't played that, I'll, I can see if I can find which one we played specifically. But it's it's one of those things where you're like, okay, we've got to play this game first because it might be the only game we get to in like 10 hours. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we there, it's, it's so much fun. And I'm so glad that with, you know, Will Wheaton's series on Geek and Sundry Tabletop that... Um, is that still on Geek and Sundry? Yes, it is. Yes, okay. The you know that's starting to see a resurgence. Gloom, I learned about from Tabletop. I love Gloom. Gloom is super fun. Yeah, so <laughs> very that's cool. One you should check out um, is a uh, Splendor. It's actually pretty fast to pick up and doesn't take super long to play a game, but it's like the strategy is super complex and it's really fun and it's good for two players also um i think it's two to four players but it's really good like with any amount of those people yeah i love strategy games there i um starcraft warcraft 3 um kingdom rush is my favorite game on ipad so um strategery which is basically risk uh, you know but i like i i love strategy games i have friends who absolutely hate them but have you played small world I have not. It oh is. I, it's like Risk, only twenty times better. So I put it there. There was, I guess, about two months ago. Amazon had a board game sale, and small. It was like between Small World and Pandemic, and I wanted a game that I could play co-op. So I chose Pandemic instead. Okay. But um, check out Small World, though. It is very good. It looks amazing. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorites. Like. In a top five games, it's probably on that list. Is it something you can play with two players? Yeah. Okay. I think it's two to five, maybe six. Okay. Yeah, because, yeah, I love strategy games. Yeah. I'm not good at them, especially against my husband, because he's <laughs> he's kind of got that, that, you know, chess brain more than I do, where he can think, think ahead further than I can, but... Yeah, we actually don't play a lot of tabletop, the two of us, because I usually win. Oh. Uh, so... <laughs> It's it's not as fun as digital where, you know, digital co-op especially where nobody's winning. We're just having fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's something we've been playing Child of Light together um, oh, on yeah. the PS3 because, you know, it's just a little game you can dip in for an hour here and there. And yeah. Yeah. So how can how can people find you? So on Twitter, I'm at Tifa Robles. Uh, and my group is at MTG Lady Society. Uh, I also have a Tumblr account that's tifarobles at tumblr.com. Um, like I said, my Facebook group is the best way to get involved with Lady Planeswalker Society. Uh, and lastly, my husband and I run a YouTube channel, uh, and that's youtube.com slash Mike and Tifa. And that's about us being a couple that games together. I will let you go so you can get some rest. Thank you so much, Tifa. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. <laughs> you can find the show on Twitter at less than or equal. If you have feedback, suggestions for guests, or would like to be a guest, please go to less than or equal.com and fill out the contact form. If you have a few minutes, it would be great if you would leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Until next time on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for less than or equal. <laughs>